everybody. My name is Lauren Hollander, and this is Who Gives a Shallot, the podcast. Let's talk about food, baby. Let's talk about what we eat. Let's talk about all the entrees, appetizers that we seek. Let's talk about food. Let's talk about food. Let's talk about food. Let's talk about... I hope everybody is hanging in there. Uh, I know we're living in kind of strange times at the moment. Um, it's been a bit since I have uh, posted a new episode, and I have recorded a few episodes recently, and just with everything going on, they got slightly lost, and um, I will be sharing them in the future, but this topic seemed a little more relevant. Um, We are not going to talk about the coronavirus. I know everybody is well aware. This brings up an interesting topic connected to food security, which is really closely related to us as individuals during times like this. Food security is essentially just having reliable access to food. We are really lucky here in America um, where we do have access to a plethora of food items, an insane amount. Um, However, the second that uh, the news hit about the coronavirus here in Oregon, and I'm sure in many other states, uh, people panicked. And I went to the store to pick up ingredients to cook for clients. And the store was out of a, a tremendous amount of things. And, um you know, you find that you can so quickly go from having access to food readily available, you know, all the places you could go out and eat, um, how if you just on a whim go, hey, you know what, I want to have like, I want to have lasagna for dinner, or I want to do a sushi, homemade sushi night, you can go to like, three or four different stores, go to the fish market, pick up all your little, you know, um, specialty ingredients. We can't do that right now, you know. The store is a slightly frightening place these days where uh, you just kind of want to dart in and get out as soon as possible and there's the whole six-foot distancing and I'm constantly like trying to measure in my head what six feet looks like. Um, You know, so we don't really have that luxury anymore. Um, And food security which was something that probably many people didn't even think about not that long ago, is suddenly now a huge issue. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be looking at food security through really the best solution that I know, and that's gardening. Because if you know how to grow your own food, then you're that much less reliant on a system that we see is broken so easily. So I'm really lucky. I got my friend Sue on the phone who is a very experienced gardener and has a beautiful garden in Pasadena, California, where she is extremely involved in many local gardening groups and seed-sharing networks. Thank you for having me here on your podcast. Of course. I'm we were, really we were going we to loop, uh... loop to that. Yeah, of course. You know, the reason that I wanted to talk to you specifically is because you are kind of a master urban gardener. Um, and how long have you been gardening? Not as long as people 
think. Um, I started about eight years ago uh-huh. growing food in my backyard. And uh, then I had a magazine on organic gardening yep. for five years that really forced me to learn a lot very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, you know, I had so many wonderful writers writing for the magazine, including you. Yes. Um, that, that was so it great. Was, you know, every issue was an intense education for me. Yeah. And now I've carried that, um, that knowledge and that love of sharing that knowledge into other areas of life. I yeah. have an Instagram feed that's got almost 32,000 followers on it now. Wow. And um, I am also a member of the uh, Seed Library of Los Angeles, Altadena Branch. Wow, the Seed Library of Los Angeles. That's awesome. Yeah, and we have a branch in Altadena, which is near where I live here in Pasadena, California. Yeah. That is actually in a library. We have a seed library in a library. So you can go in and can you see all the different seeds? Yeah, yeah. The the library gave us a place to keep the seeds there in the library. Um, it's a file cabinet. It's in a very uh, temperature-controlled environment, wow. so it's a good location to seed. Yeah. And we have seeds that come from a number of different sources. Some of them are seeds that our members have learned to save and then brought back in. Some are donations from various seed companies. Um, you know, it's like when a seed, when a seed, uh, seeds have like kind of an expiration date. Yeah. But it's not really true. Mm-hmm. Um, when a seed is a seed is packaged for a particular year, and if you fail to use it in that year, you can use it in other years. It's just chances are, yeah. unless the seed is very carefully saved, it's going to lose its, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's potency. It's yeah. Uh, viability. Yeah. You know, and you might not get as many seeds that actually sprout as you would if you used them in that first year. Yeah. But I am testing right now. I have like 10 varieties of tomato cool. that we found in our library that had been sitting there since 2011 or 2012. And uh, I took the, the 10 seeds home to plant them out to see if they were still any good. And out of those 10 different seeds, I only had issues with one. Wow. On one of them, I'm getting about a 10% sprout rate. On everything else, it's almost 100%. Yeah, so, you know, eight or nine years. That's so awesome, you know, and that's that's such a perfect example of how easy, like, Nature is is really smart, you know, like we're just so used to getting everything done so easily for us and that's why I'm such a proponent of gardening for yourself because even if it's something small, you know, there's just something so cathartic in, in growing your own plant that you can consume, you know? Oh, yeah. I know you know. Well, you know, every, every time <laughs> I go out in the garden and I see, like, a seed sprouting up and fighting its way up through the dirt, yeah. it just reassures me that life is tenacious. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, I I think that this is the perfect time of year um, 
people start working on their gardens and um, what better reason to start a garden if you've never had uh, than being stuck at home, you know? Um, I do want to note, though, I've seen some posts on Facebook where people are saying, like, stop going to Home Depot and Lowe's for your craft home projects um, because, like, contractors actually need to go uh, into those stores and you know, I understand people are like, I'm stuck at home, might as well work on my home. Avoid, but avoid that, I think, as much as possible. And a lot of stores, you can order stuff um, and pick it up. But you were mentioning, like, yesterday, seed banks, um, and you get seeds sent to you. There's plenty of resources to get seeds sent to you, right? Well, I buy, you know, the seeds that I don't get from the library. And truthfully, I have access to, like, pretty much all the free seeds I want to take home, I still end up buying dozens and dozens of varieties of seed every year because I can. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, um, I, I love growing new things. I'd like to have something new in the garden every year. Yeah. And, uh, I save a lot of seeds and the seeds that I save, I either bring into the library or give them away to friends or replant. Yeah. But saving seeds is, this is the way people used to do it back before, you know, Monsanto came along with their yeah. patented seeds and yep. their whole. How radical can I get here? As radical as you want. I've been wanting, you okay, know. I, I hate Monsanto. I hate what they have done to the food industry. Yeah, see, that's the thing a lot of people don't think about is it's like, oh, if you say you hate Monsanto, it's because specifically talking about GMOs and it's like, no, they have they have a huge monopoly over the entire food industry. They're controlling our entire food supply essentially. And um, you know, Bayer and Monsanto joined forces. Uh, a deadly marriage. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, I forget the exact percentage, but they own a, a, an extremely frighteningly high percentage of the uh, seeds on this planet. Which is like crazy to think that, you know, a, a a company. But I was watching Wally again recently, and I'm like, gosh, this movie just hits harder every time I watch it. You know? Have you seen Wally? I have never seen it. Maybe I need to. Oh, you you gotta! It's very cute, but it, it's uh, just humans just destroying planets and corporations and the planet's covered with trash. So we have to go to space and, Oh man. Yeah. You got to see it. It, it. It's heartwarming and, and uh, a little too real, <laughs> you know? Well, you know, a friend of mine in Japan asked me the other day, what is it like over here with everybody staying home? Mm-hmm. And I said, in all honesty, the air is clean. Yeah. It smells good outside for the first time, I can remember. Yeah. A lot of people are walking up and down the streets, and they're all friendly and waving and saying hello. Yeah. I'd say it's pretty wonderful. Yeah. It's uh, definitely kind of nice to see what's come out of this uh, in terms of individuals. And I was I was talking to a friend today, and we were just thinking about how interesting it is that we finally, you know, have time to really stop and reflect on ourselves and maybe tap into some creative outlets we've been pushing aside for so long, you know, and uh, 
lots of people I talk to are cooking stuff they've never cooked before and uh, picking up instruments, maybe reading a book finally, <laughs> you know, taking <laughs> courses on languages. So that's really great. But, you know, I also have been getting some messages from friends about starting gardens. And I just thought that we could, and I know it's such a hard topic to just gloss over, but, you know, coming from someone like you who has had a successful garden for so many years, maybe we could just like talk about what kind of stuff should you be doing right now if you want a garden, you know, and what are your limitations, if any? Well, for a first-time gardener, I would recommend rather than trying to set up a whole bed and, you know, plant rows and rows of food and yeah. ground, you start with containers. Yeah. I containers, totally yeah, containers, you can control the soil. And soil is like the most important part. Yeah. You know, it all comes back to what kind of dirt do you have? What are you feeding your plant? Yeah. You know, you need good soil, you need water, and you need sun to grow a seed. Yeah. That's all you need. That and, you know, love. Like, yeah. plants like to be talked to, I think. Yeah. I talked about Interacted a lot. with, you know. Yeah, you know they're 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 living things. They yeah. enjoy receiving admiration, and I tell them how beautiful they are. Oh. They give me beautiful food. I love that. <laughs> you know, I sound like an old hippie, but no. you know, I think there's some truth to that. There, you can, I think anybody, life anything. yeah, anybody who's grown something, I think especially their first plant. I remember because you know I grew up on a ranch and. We planted tons of plants, but for some reason I fixated on this one uh, corn seed and it was at the front of this row and I walked by it all the time and every day I would look at it and it was like, it filled me with so much pride. It got taller than me. You know, I saw it just turn into this whole thing. Like, you go, you go, man. But yeah, it's it's a great feeling and I, and I agree. I think that people often will want to like dive in head first and go crazy. It's a lot of work to tend to a bigger garden. So, you know, there's a lot of satisfaction from, I think tomatoes are great because, uh, they, when they produce like, man, do they produce? So even just having a and little, the, you know, after you've had a homegrown tomato, you can never again no, eat a tomato. There's nothing the like it. It's especially when it's kind of warm. Ooh, I love that. Like a warm, oh, sun warmed. So yeah. Yep, a little pear tomato. Now, Yum. So I would say first piece of advice mm -hmm. is start with containers. Yeah. Now, let's talk about containers for a minute because a container can be just about anything. Yeah, I agree. I have, yeah. I have things growing in old chipped coffee cups. I've got, mm -hmm. I have a little teapot that I truly love. That got a chip in it, and rather than throwing it away, I drilled some holes in the bottom and started planting in it. I love that. And it, you know, it's part of my garden now. Mm -hmm. I have an old uh, enameled pot, you know, like a stock pot, mm -hmm. that was getting really chipped up. And instead of throwing it away again, I drilled holes in the bottom. You need to have drainage. Yeah. Whatever, whatever you're planting in, you've yeah. got to have a way for excess water to run out. Mm -hmm. So you have to put holes. But you can use um, 
Oh, you can use, like, what are those called? The, the, the big Tupperware, not Tupperware, uh, Rubbermaid, mm-hmm. you know, bins, like, you know, a 20-gallon bin. Yeah. You can uh, you can use... Uh, I used a bookshelf I once. Part. I went to Goodwill. I got a bookshelf. I got a cheap bookshelf from Goodwill, and I just laid it on its back, drilled a few holes, and it's kind of cool because then you already have some little rows. It's like it's like its own little raised bed. Oh, that's brilliant! Yes. Yeah. So you sense. can you can use anything that you can imagine for a container. You can get what's called grow bags, mm-hmm. which are felt bags that have handles, and you fill them up with dirt. And you know the nice thing about starting with something like that is. Until you learn what kind of sun a plant needs, mm-hmm. if you've got, you can move around. Yeah. You know, put it in better sun, put it in a little more shade. You know, play around, experiment. I have, I'm looking at my coffee cup here, mm-hmm. and it says, there are no garden failures, oh. only experiments. I love that. I, th- I think that way about a lot of things, cooking, life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no failures, yes. just experiments. Just experiments. Yeah. So, you know, the only thing you can do wrong as a gardener is to stop gardening. Yeah. You know, everything totally. you do, you know, observe, yeah. make mental notes, keep a journal if you're up to it. I always tell people to do that. I never do it myself. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, it's nice if you, you know, keep notes on what does and doesn't work. Yeah. So you want to start with containers. You want to start with good soil. Yeah. And probably the easiest way to start with good soil is to go to your big box store. Yeah. And get a two or three cubic foot bag of yeah. organic soil, you know, and yeah. just dump it in your container. So the next thing you want is you want good seed. And there are so many places you can buy seeds now. I'm, yeah. I'm not even going to try to list all of the uh, Yeah, just, just type around. in organic seeds, heirloom seeds. I know Territorial is great. I've ordered from them before. Um, Baker but, Creek is, you know, they have some fabulous, unusual things. Yeah. Uh, their, their website is rareseeds.com, mm. I believe. Um, so you want to get good seed. Now, yeah. the next question is, what kind of seed? What do you want to grow? Uh, I The very first organic food I ever grew was uh, Swiss chard. Swiss chard, wow. Why Swiss chard? Because somebody gave me a bag of Swiss chard seed and said, grow this, it's easy. I had a big pot. The pot was like maybe two feet high and a foot and a half wide. Mm-hmm. And I put some dirt in it. I put some seeds in it, probably way more seeds than I needed to. Yeah. <laughs> and after a few weeks, I ate Swiss chard for the rest of the summer. Pretty we awesome. Had, we had so much chard that we all got sick of it. Yeah. Um. So Swiss chard is really easy to grow. Yeah. Radishes, if you're a fan of radishes, you can get a radish that's ready to eat in 30 days. Yeah. Also, though, on Swiss chard, it's very pretty. Rainbow chard, I'm, I'm not a massive fan of chard flavor, but it's so pretty. That rainbow chard and 
when I was growing it, because I grew it in that bookshelf, and I had it all summer, and you can just cut pieces Uh, off of it, and um, man, I made a lot of stuff. I made like a spinach artichoke dip, but I used the chard instead of spinach, and uh, I did like dolmas, you know, those grape leaf wrapped uh, rice. Have you ever had those? But you wrapped it in the chard instead of a a grape leaf? Yes. Oh my God, that's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, I, I was coming up with some stuff. That's the great thing for me as a as like a chef. That's the thing I love about having a garden is you're forced to become more creative because you have an excess of something and there's nothing worse than putting all that effort into growing something and not using it. <laughs> you know, it's so heartbreaking. <laughs> but, you know, when you're talking about picking seeds, um, I think most people want to garden – to use in the home, of course, you know, and they want something maybe a little closer to comfort. So I always say maybe design your first garden based on a dish that you really want to have, like caprese. Who doesn't want to eat caprese all summer, you know? So pick out a cool (laughs) tomato variety you've never had, maybe some Genovese basil and some African blue or some lemon basil or, you know, get creative within a comfort zone that exists as well. Well, that that comes back to another really important point. Mm-hmm. Grow what you know you're going to eat. Mm-hmm. You know, if totally. you get all crazy and grow all kinds of exotic things that you're not really sure if you like them or not. Yeah. You're going to end up with a, you know, a garden that isn't seasoned. Yep. I mean, it's still going to be pretty and it'll probably feed, you know, the soil and the nature. But, you know, you want that's the whole point. That's the whole point is to be able to go outside. And it's such a satisfying feeling. And I miss having a garden. I haven't had one in a few years. I've just been kind of, you know, I've been doing smaller gardens. But um, at an old house, I had this beautiful front yard garden that got perfect sun and going out and picking some strawberries and pulling a beet out of the ground and some green beans and a cucumber, you know, having a front yard salad. There's like nothing like it. And I see you're creating those dishes all the time, you know, soups and stews and salads. Well, I love one, one dish meals. Yeah. You know, things that I just throw it all in a pot and cook it up together. Yep. And I've got a meal that I can eat for a few days. Mm-hmm. So, you know, all the veggies from my garden end up in big pots with other veggies. Yeah. They have little veggie parties. Yeah. Um, it's the best you know, time. lately I've been picking peas and pulling carrots and uh, cutting a lot of chard, picking a lot of lettuce, um, broccoli. But now, you know, down here... We're in, I'm in zone, what is it, 10B, mm-hmm. and uh, For what those, that means. Yeah, yeah, USDA, I was going to say, explain, explain the zones. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, grow zones. Yes. This is a very, very important concept. Um, every, if you go to the, what is it, the USDA, yeah. the, I don't know where on the site it is. If you just if Google, you Google USDA zones. Yeah, a grow zone is basically the temperature range in mm-hmm. where you're living. Yeah. You know, how hot does it get? How cold does it get? What time of year does it cool down? What time of year does it heat up? Yeah. 
And different plants grow well in different zones. In Southern California, where I live, we have literally, we have two seasons. We have warm weather crops and we have cool weather crops. Yeah. And I'm so, I'm so jealous. That's the one thing. I wish I wish I could grow citrus <laughs> and avocados and olives. Ugh, yeah. My favorite thing yeah, is I right have there. An, I have an avocado tree in my yard. I know. That's what I love about gardening, and that's why I think having your own garden is so important because, you know, some people may not have the luxury of getting, um, you know, fine meats and heirloom vegetables from the store and if you can supplement that need even with just you know your little caprese garden or maybe you know a few root veggies like onions are easy and they'll last you for so long like just a few little things that you can cook in the kitchen I think it encourages you to eat more nutritiously to spend more time in the kitchen cooking and any sort of additional boost in food security you can give yourself is a bonus because we see how quickly things turn, you know, and um, eating food you grow. Also, you know, the second you harvest something, the nutrients start to decrease in them. So when you can go outside and pick something and be eating it within an hour, that's crazy, you know, how how much better it is for you. You can so taste the difference. Mm -hmm. You asked me earlier, if uh, I was having trouble finding things that I needed in the grocery, mm-hmm. and I didn't answer the question at the time, I want to answer it now. Okay. Mm-hmm. I We have not been having a problem with that hmm. because so much of what we eat is fresh produce, yeah. and we eat seasonal produce. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're big fans here of eating in season and eating local. Yeah. And... It's kind of crazy. People are grabbing the, you know, the, the canned goods and packaged yep. goods off the shelves. But the produce is so beautiful in the stores right now. Yeah. There's so much of it's organic. And I don't understand why people aren't going in and buying up all the organic produce. Yeah. It's much better for you than the canned foods. Uh, I completely agree. For me, the one thing I found that I couldn't uh, get was rice. Uh, I really wanted to get some rice um, and yeast because I wanted to bake. I wanted to make a pizza. I've been thinking about a pizza. <laughs> you know, I thought, damn it, I want to make my own pizza. Um, I've been thinking about pretzels. I- I've been thinking about a lot. I'm cooped up a bit, but <laughs> I thought I thought it'd be fun to, you know, do some baking. And I uh, couldn't find any yeast. You know, that's one thing I never even imagined a store would be sold out of. Okay, you know, there is a solution to that. Wild yeast? You can grow your own sourdough starter. I know. I've been, I was actually just looking that up uh, because I really want to make some sourdough bread and um, you just have to make your own little sourdough baby and keep feeding it. You know, I, I keep finding myself thinking, how did people live before we had all of this complex and complicated infrastructure in place? Um, you know, differently. There are. Yeah, this is this is <laughs> why uh, the women brought sourdough culture across the plains to San Francisco 
parked between their breasts, you know? What? I didn't know that. Yeah, they would put it they would put it under their clothes to keep it warm. And that's how they brought sourdough culture to the West Coast. Oh my gosh, that is so interesting. What was yeah, it in? Like it, just a little jar? They'd keep it in little bags. And put the bags, you know, you imagine like a great big frontiers woman with her, you know, humongous breasts sitting on top of her wagon yeah. with a little bag of sourdough tucked away yeah. in an inconspicuous place. That is so strange. Wow. I had no idea. <laughs> Check it out. You know, research I'm, I'm definitely going to. Wow. Okay. That's amazing. Yeah. San Francisco sourdough smuggled in the breasts of frontier women. Famous for its sourdough, and we have no idea how many generations that sourdough goes back. Now, coming back to gardening. So, what have we covered so far? Start with containers. Buy your dirt at your big box store or your local nursery if you can find one that's open. Yeah. Get good seeds, which you can order online. I even order seeds on Amazon. Yeah. I order them from reliable companies. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there there are many ways to get very inexpensive seeds. Yeah. Get seeds for things you want to eat. Zucchini is another thing that once you get it started, it will it's grow go. and grow yeah. and feed you and feed you and feed you. You'll have more her. zucchini than you'll know what to do with. You'll get sick of zucchini. Yeah. Now, I know 50 ways to cook zucchini. Yeah, I know quite a few myself, so, you know, I, I've, I even just made some zucchini muffins uh, last week, and I made a zucchini lasagna. It was both quite delicious. Ooh, that sounds good. Yeah. So, grow food that you're interested in eating, that yeah. you like to eat. Yeah. Um, and do a little homework. You know, on the back of a seed pack, Mm -hmm. You usually have information on what grows, you know, what a plant needs to grow. Yeah. You know, how much light or shade, uh, how closely you should plant them together. Mm -hmm. I know the first time I ever planted zucchini, I, um, on the pack, on the packet it said to separate the plants by at least 18 inches. Hmm. I had a four by four bed. And I thought to myself, oh, I think I want more than just a couple of plants. I yeah. want a lot of zucchini. So I planted seeds every four inches. Mm -hmm. I had something like 36 plants in this four foot by four foot bed. Whoa. Oh my I had gosh. to remove all but two of them because they got so big they were choking each other out. Yep. So actually pay attention to what it says. On yeah, the that's a good, good lesson to learn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And uh, just make sure, you know, that you don't overwater or don't underwater. And that's a matter of, you know, getting out there and trying it. Yeah. And also, too, the soil looks different when it's wet and it's dry, and I always will just kind of put your fingers in the soil. If, 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 if underneath the top layer it's uh, wet still, you're good. You know, if it's dry, you know, feeling the soil is really the best way I've learned to know if you should water or not. Yeah, it's generally more, or at least as accurate as a moisture meter. 
That's awesome, though. I, I really appreciate this. And I, you know, I just hope that, um, you know, of course, people are staying safe, but also using this time to, like you said, be more thoughtful, be more creative. And, you know, the sun is out. It's time to get a plant growing, you know. Just one, just one if you want, you know, a little herb garden or it's, it's well, like, you know, herbs are considered gateway gardening. Yeah. Sprouts are like the easiest thing to grow. You can yeah. grow microgreens yep. inside without soil. Yeah. You know, there are things that you can grow. You can put an herb garden in your windowsill. If you mm -hmm. don't have a place to grow outdoors, that doesn't mean you can't grow. Totally. There are so many ways to garden. I just think that, you know, uh. The, the first thing you need to do before anything, before you even choose, if you decide you want to garden, just observe your space, you know. Um, I do that all the time, you know. I'm like, where could I put a plant? I look at the sun. Where is it sunny? If you have maybe a windowsill that gets more sun than others, you know, you should know your space a little bit because then you can, you know, create whatever little plant environment. I have tons of indoor plants, and I know this is different than, than gardening, but Plants just add so much to a space, you know, and if and if you can grow one that you can eat, even better. Thank you so much, Sue. I really appreciate you, you know, chatting with me. Let me know when you're coming. I, I will. will cook up something delicious. That would be amazing. Not enough people cook for me. <laughs> I was going to say, I know you like a chance to get it reversed. I really do. You're awesome, Sue. Thank you so much, and I'll, uh, I'll talk to you soon. Okay, Lauren. Bye. Bye-bye. Let's talk about food. Let's talk about food. Let's talk about...